2: Blue
3: wire.
4: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel, and back on the show, one of our favorite guests, Matt Brooks. Matt, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm a, uh, I'm alive. I'm, I'm breathing, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm surviving this media week that has been, that has been great. So, um, yeah, I'm doing great
5: you christian brian greg chris everyone at nets any part of the nets media um we are very lucky to have you on the brooklyn buzz any episode that you're on and any content that you guys put out as nets fans um we are grateful and keep keep up the good work to you and everyone then and you know if you want to shout out an aussie bloke who is enjoying that content as well say that down from from (laughs) down here in melbourne jack manuel is loving the content from everyone um at the in the brooklyn nets media yeah
4: 100 percent. it's been great kind of Feels like we're staying in touch with like what's happening with the Nets world, given COVID and everything. Not having the full-on media day, you guys have had great coverage. Uh, we're gonna talk about that a lot today and some other stuff. But before we get into it, quick reminder: you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, what are we starting with?
5: Well, we are starting with a person. We probably start a lot of podcasts with Kyrie <laughs> Irving. He issued a statement that about four or five hours ago, and saying, "My goal this season is to let my work on and off the court speak for itself." He issued his statement instead of speaking with Matt and all the other Nets reporters, and uh, Twitter erupted like like Twitter erupts in any sort of respect. And there are so many sides, and we could do probably at 90 minutes. You know, we could do nine. I think we've done like 90 minutes on like two-way signing and Tyler Johnson signing with Matt before. We could do like yeah. five hours yeah. on this Kyrie <laughs> Irving quote alone, but. There's a lot of different sort of nuance to it. Matt, I want you to sort of bring your objective take, which is what we try to provide. We sort of talked about it on last episode with yeah. Gotham's ranking, providing that level of objectivity. Your thoughts, I thought I resonated with. We're always generally on the same page with a lot of stuff. What did you think no. when you saw this reaction, when you heard it being announced, obviously being a net report that side of things as well, um, what was your response? So... God, there's
1: just so many things that go into it and I think it's one of these situations where nobody's nobody's in the wrong like I didn't mm. I didn't come away being like oh like Kyrie I can't believe because like I get it honestly like if you look at this instance he issues this statement and he's like I don't want these to be misconstrued what's the first thing that happened? <laughs> they got misconstrued. <laughs> like on ESPN, they're saying, yep, he's saying a blackout for the whole season. That's not at all what's happening. That is not even a little bit what's happening. So right in that second, he's his point has been proved. On the flip side of it. I do understand the idea that this, and I I, I tweeted this, it can set a really bad precedent. It can can set a precedent a couple of different ways. I didn't really want to get into it because I don't, I just kind (laughs) of want to stay away from this topic on Twitter. I'm fine doing this on podcasts, but Twitter, I just, I'm not doing the Kyrie thing. So in in the precedent that it could be a little bit troublesome is A, for his teammates. So if we run into a situation where they have to answer him and there is going to be two, potentially three players tomorrow, they're probably going to get asked that because I can guarantee you that a bunch of media are going to show up that aren't normally there for Brooklyn's media days. <laughs> they're going to show up tomorrow and they're going to ask them about that. I can tell you right now that that is probably going to happen. So that's a, that's a tough thing that if, if he's doing this and the rest of the team is in his camp being like, yeah, he should do that, then by all means do it. If not, I don't know if that's being a great teammate, to be honest mm. with you. The other thing and this gets even more slippery, and this just has to do with access and, and, and other things, is I just want to see what this does in the future. We live in a copycat league. If there is an instance where somebody just can outright do a media blackout, which is fine if they want to do that, but what does that mean? What does that mean for the league? What does that mean for coverage? That's personally coming from somebody who's in media. I just it's, It was where my first thought went. I've seen a bunch of other people say it, too. So that's what I meant by a precedent.
4: Yeah, I think the league would absolutely hate it if this became a, a current thing. Like James Harden would have no reason to talk to the media about all the trade rumors that he's gonna probably yeah. get approached about in this upcoming week. But like you said, Matt earlier on, I don't really have a strong take about it. Like Kyrie doesn't want to talk to the media. I understand. They were
5: literally calling him a disruptor like yeah. four months ago yeah. when he pulling out his mental health, um, all of yeah. this stuff. And it's just like look. We can attack a person for when they say things that deserve to be attacked or deserve to be dissected, not attacked. Because uh, at the end of the day, he's not saying anything harmful. That is, you know, he, it's he's not, not saying like a, anything
4: offensive. <laughs> like.
5: Exactly. It, it's just like he's a bit different. And you know, obviously, we we're going to come out of at it from a slightly subjective standpoint. But Nick, I interrupted you. I just wanted to say that because you know, Matt and A. Q. provided you know relevant points that so many different people are using Kyrie's character to profit off in a lot of different ways. You know, ESPN, Kendrick Perkins, Brian Windhorst, the our, 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 um, the young the young prince, Alex Stern posted like the video of the jump Brian Windhorst making the announcement and everyone's laughing and it's just like but it's not and like Matt said like that wasn't actually reported or true unless Brian Windhorst is saying something and he has inside information which he could because obviously he has a prior relationship with Cleveland Kyrie or whatever but He didn't necessarily, and like you mentioned to me as well, Nick, you were watching it live. He sort of said it in a sort of joking fashion or whatever. I don't know, man. I felt a little uncomfortable, and I have some points as well, but I I interrupted you, Nick, and I'm sorry.
4: No, you're good. And the Windhorse definitely came off as like a little snarky, like just kind of cracking a joke. Everyone kind of knows how he is, and like Matt said earlier, like nothing in the statement said that he's not going to talk to the media the entire year. Until I hear that, then I'll kind of evaluate where it's at. I assume the NBA would be extremely upset if he didn't talk to the media media the entire year. And given, like, the NFL, I know they, like, fine players they don't talk to the media. I don't know what the rules are in terms of the NBA, but I'm sure they would want him or almost make him talk to the media in some capacity at some point this year. But what do you got, Jack?
5: I know on that point, Nick, I know Kevin Durant went through sort of like similar things in Golden State and trying to quote unquote duck the media and, you know, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and all these guys are having to answer questions about his sort of future and stuff. Now, obviously with Kyrie Irving, it's just about Kyrie Irving just not wanting to, to be oversaturated and to be dissected to a point where every little thing that he says on a podcast or an Instagram live just gets taken out of context like it does in, in a lot of respects. Now, I, you know, I got uh, receipts on me from a Celtics fan OTD basketball from from Cam. You know, my hate on Kyrie um, has been previously attributed to the comments that he's made about, you know, the flat earth theory and, and that sort of stuff. And as a teacher, it, um, it does make me feel a certain way because, but he's also had some really salient points about so many other different things. Like, you know, being labeled a disruptor by the, the, the league and maybe one of sport's biggest reporters now, obviously, we know that the, a lot of reporters don't come up with their own headlines, but your name is still put to it. And when you have that happening, why would he want to speak to the media? Especially in the current day and age where media access is a, is a tricky and sort of slippery slope. It's like players want to be able to control their own narrative, but as well, they you know, want to use the, the media as well to provide a level of access and sort of increase their own brand. It's, it's a really tricky thing. I know Matt probably knows that better than both of us, but... I guess I hear all your points I think yeah we wait and see to certain to like what sort of comes out in terms of if it's allowed I don't think it is I also do think I said this in response to a couple of people on Twitter I think that like, spencer dimwitty and carol saverda and joe harris aren't gonna care i think that they actually might like spencer loves talking to the media and like about weird topics and new topics crypto and his bitcoin and Clearly. the fact that he's representing himself like we love spencer dimwitty you know we're still waiting for the we're still waiting for you to jump on mate we got the tequila ready i like again i've got this bottle full of tequila waiting for you uh spence but in saying that i i think that and in in relation to that i think that and some people making comparison points to like, you know, um old Golden State teams and, and the Clippers and this sort of stuff. I think that the chemistry and locker room dynamics already of the Brooklyn Nets and and again, Matt would know more than myself. But just looking at the personalities of the guys and hearing the quotes that are coming from media day, saying, "Look, look, we're K.D. and Kyrie. We got to make sure that we are supporting them because we know that our best comes from them being at their best." You know, Spencer saying that he wants to be, you know, the Draymond Green yet again, bringing that sort of stuff up. So I think when you're comparing it, you know, it, it's worthwhile to compare, but it's worthwhile to compare and actually provide the nuance and detail because. Carol Averd and Spencer Dinwiddie are much different to Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and Montres Harrell and Patrick Beverly, these sort of dudes.
4: What do you guys think is more likely we hear Kyrie talk to the media or we hear Kyrie go on like an Instagram live or somebody else's podcast or platform to talk? Like which one are we going to hear first?
1: That might be going on right now. Um, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
4: Let me check my <laughs> phone. <laughs> <Somebody
1: checking. laughs> because that is going to happen. It's going to happen right now. Um, I mean, look like, it's it's just a tricky situation. I I don't actually... The thing that kind of scares me in a lot of ways is I don't know what the outcome is because I think it's going to be really hard for him to change the narrative around him if he doesn't speak to the media. But at the same time, we're in a cyclical thing where everything he does, it's going to get misconstrued. So I, I don't know what the solution is. You know what I mean? And like that's the part that really scares me because I just... I don't know what... Like, what's the avenue where this is... I guess... They win. The team talks about how great he is, and he starts having. And I don't know. I, I guess that's what it would be. Winning cures everything. But. Yeah, uh- I- I don't know, in the moment right now, I'm sure looking around like, uh, I don't know. To be honest, for a team (laughs) trying to contend, it
4: just kind of feels like almost an unnecessary distraction. Obviously, I'm not Kyrie. I don't know what he has to deal with. But like we kind of mentioned, if it does carry on, it kind of like Matt hinted at earlier, puts pressure on the teammates, puts pressure on your coach, puts pressure on Sean Marks in some way. Not to say that it's like going to prevent them from winning a championship, but still it's not the most ideal thing when you're trying to get stuff to gel and you want the focus to be on the court.
1: Right, and that's so important because, sorry, I I, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit, just about some of the quotes, but the buy-in that has been the last couple of days has been so key in a way that I honestly wasn't sure we were going to get. I just wasn't. There's guys up for contracts. There's whatever. There's guys changing their roles. Um, Trade rumors. Yeah, trade rumors. Like, There's just been a lot going on, and they've been on the same page. And it's like, you don't want something like this to disturb that.
5: Yeah, I think that the way that the players have been able to compartmentalize and sort of just go, this is our singular focus. You know, it's about the championship. It's about the collaboration, all those sort of things and those themes. You know, it, it bodes well for for the team and just the, the as fans sort of just going, all right, cool. These guys are still focused on on what matters and that's winning basketball. And you know, I put out a tweet at this at the same time. I'm like, look, if we get off to a good start and we'll get into the schedule a little bit, it's like you know eight and two. You know, no one's really going to care if Kyrie's talking to the media or not. But if it's two and eight, you know, you you better be ready for you know a Jared Weiss piece from this from the M. <laughs> from The Athletic, gone behind the scenes, Kevin Durant saying something, or Kyrie Irving sneezed in the wrong way and forgot to cover his mouth with his elbow or some bullshit <laughs> like that. But I think the reason, and I'm reading over the, the statement again, and the last sort of sentence, you know, or one of the, the, the last sentences, my goal this season is to let my work on and off the court speak for itself. That's where maybe Brian Windhorst and other people have sort of just gone, oh, he said this season here, so maybe it's a season thing. You know, mm. maybe... Matt gets some news tomorrow when you know he asks one of the the, the other guys or the, the or maybe PR. Matt
4: talks to Kyrie tomorrow.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, who knows? There's so many things that can change in in a matter of time. But in <laughs> saying that, I, I guess before we do move on to you know the actual games and the schedule and stuff, so to put a pin on this, Matt, do you, you sort of alluded to like a lack of leadership? We heard him get called cowardly, you know, ducking and and, and all those sort of things. Is there? Any level do you think that that's warranted in, in some respects or are some of those just like you know a bit too far in terms of like attacking his character for at the end of the day something that ultimately means little to not a heap you know he's just guy, he's just talking to reporters and I don't really care as much as you know I want you to be able to ask him some questions and, and, and all the guys at Net Daly and everywhere else it ultimately isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things and the grand scheme of life. No, I agree.
1: I I think it ultimately comes down to how his teammates feel, right? Like that's what we're worried about here. We're not worried about leadership of the what of the uh, the media, the leadership yeah. of of what we're going to what we're going to be leading off our articles with. Like, no, that's not what we're worried about. We're worried about does the team buy into this? Is the team like, yeah, this is I, we totally co-sign this. We agree with it. Um so that's where that's where it's like, yeah, that If this comes out in a couple of months, I don't know who would have the exclusive, but whoever gets this exclusive being like it was something that was a big contentious point within their locker room, then yeah, like this is really like not a good look on his part to do this without consulting anybody and being like, I'm just not taking questions anymore. Good luck, guys. Like, that's really bad. Now, if it's he has a discussion with them and they're like, you know what? We totally agree with you. Anything you say gets taken out of context. You, like, you, why are you answering questions? They're good. Like, don't answer questions. Go ahead. That's fine. I'll out bother TLC. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and I mean, I think that really could be the case, too, because we even saw a statement after the Philadelphia game last year when he mentioned, you know, certain guys' names and didn't include Joe Harris or in, and Jared Allen. Yeah. And they're still on the team right now. Joe Harris just signed a nice contract. So I think, like you said, Matt, it really only becomes an issue if it's impacting his teammates and just the morale and the chemistry of the team. If not, I don't really care
5: yep yeah yeah. and look to be honest Matt the only reason I got you on the pod right now is just so I can s- sneak you some questions that you can ask Joe Harris in the upcoming
3: season
5: in all seriousness let's get to the schedule you know the, the games the stuff that matters opening day Kevin Durant is going to be facing the Warriors Christmas Day Kyrie's yeah. facing Boston MLK Day the three big headlines day is all Brooklyn Nets KD against Giannis you know the, the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe the East favourites now the nets are officially big time. Which game? And this is via a poll on the Brooklyn Nets Twitter page, Matt. Which game are you most excited for? Is it Warriors? An opening night? Is that a Christmas Day game? Or is it the the game against uh, the East, probably contenders and probably the East favorites?
1: Dude, I'm going to go – well, the Christmas – I would say Christmas Day, but Christmas Day, it gives me a little bit of anxiety because I'm out here with my girlfriend, and <laughs> it's just me and her out here. We're not seeing her family, so I can't be too glued. To... <laughs> so I don't know what that's going to look like. I could be in hot water that day. Um, uh, But no, in all seriousness – It's the...
4: season two. You don't want to be single in the winter. Yeah, <laughs>
1: man. Like, dude, it's a pandemic. Uh, uh, it's like I don't want to be on dating apps in a pandemic. <laughs> like, that's not going to work out well for me. <laughs> Uh so yeah, gotta go take a COVID test to go on a date. I don't know about all of that, but um no. Nah, in all seriousness, like uh I, I maybe the opening night, it's just cool, man. Like I remember last year we watched like it's opening night's amazing. You, yeah. the, the overreactions are next level. It's great. <laughs> like I remember the Spurs beat the Warriors, like I, it might have been their first year when they had Durant. And everybody's like, Man, this this Warriors team is not looking good. They almost <laughs> got <a> three <laughs>
5: The exact so, same thing definitely going to happen with the next Luke Warriors.
1: I love it. So, and and like, the, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. A, because Steph versus KD, obviously. But B, like, the Warriors, I don't know who's playing. Like, mm. they have a couple of COVID tests. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with that team. So, I it's just, I'm excited for it. Like, opening day is so fun. And, it, again, it's like, it's the day of overreactions where you're getting to see the first basketball of the year. You're so excited about it. And it's cool that the Nets get to be that, right? Like, how cool yep. is that?
5: That's <laughs> awesome. It's so It's good. awesome.
4: I mean, I was super pumped. I know my my wife was like, why are you so excited about this? I was just like, yo, the Nets are, like, super relevant. They're literally kicking off the NBA season. They didn't yeah. even do anything last year, and now they're going to kick things off. You could say the same thing about the Warriors, but, <laughs> like, this is literally a place the Nets have never been. Like, they've yep. never been the spotlight team. Even when they went to the finals with Jason Kidd, they could barely sell out the arena. Obviously, they're not going to have fans this year, but if they did... It would be crazy. So, I mean, not only the fact of kicking off, you know, the NBA season, but we're going to get to see Kevin Durant in Brooklyn Nets uniform. And I know we're excited to see what he's going to look like, how he's going to feel. We're going to overanalyze every single minute of that game. But it just is going to bring so much excitement. And even from the general NBA fan, I'm excited to see Steph Curry back in the court. Like, that's a guy I really enjoy watching. Good test for the Nets, too. Like you mentioned, Matt, who knows what's going on with their team, how good they're really going to be this year. But they do have some good players over there, so something to keep an eye on.
1: Fun Warriors team too, like very yeah. different identity-wise. Um, yeah, I, I, I talked with Sam uh, Esf- Esfandiari the other week, and um, it, it was it, we just kind of talked about like the identity of them and how they're like this fast-paced. You know, they're gonna try to get deflections. Not really like a, a shooting. You know, it's yeah. not like a three-point shooting team. It's more like super hyper athletic team. That kind of really is more like the We Believe teams back in the day. Y-
5: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and in, the, in that sort of respect, there's a lot of sort of like contrast on the Brooklyn Nets side from the game side of things as well. You know, new coach, but also has a history against the Golden State Warriors as True. well. Steve Kerr, Steve Nash. You know, there's contrasting storylines are plenty. You know, the returns of of the two Two of the best players that we've seen in, in the past couple of decades. It's absolutely insane with, with Steph and KD. You know, I, I'm so freaking excited. You know, you know Nick and I are obviously recapping if, m- most, if not all, the games. Normally, they're like 20 minutes or something. I've got a feeling that they're going to be like, yeah. like 80, 80 minutes or something, man. These, <laughs> these game recaps are going to be next level. I can't wait. It's, <laughs> Especially I, that I first
1: have, one. Do you guys like it more than a matchup against the Celtics? I almost do.
5: I do. Uh, look, I... I, as a fan thing, I really want to just like destroy the Celtics. That 50 point game from Karis last season, 51 point game from Karis last season, and that win coming back. And it's just like, you know, there's no Kyrie Irving, but and and everyone's sort of just like overreacting and just giving yeah. Nets and Nets fans and Nets media so much shit. But from that respect, it's just like, you know, from the sort of spiteful part of me, I'm like, all right, let's <laughs> let's let's stomp on these freaking green Danny Ainge mofos and you know, Kemba Walker <laughs> with these stem cell me. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: not even playing.
5: No, I I don't,
1: I, I'm low on them this year, so I, I that's the other thing, too. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Don't I think the it.
4: Warriors are just more fun. Like, the yeah. Return of Steph, it just screams more of a fun game. Obviously, it's not probably going to be a finals, like, preview or anything. Fast. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be a fast game. Especially because we got that quote from TLC. Matt, obviously, you know this. Uh, what do you say, the first quarter of the shot clock? So the first six seconds in, like, uh, we're looking to get shots? Six so like, seconds yeah. or
1: less. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, so I I don't know what that's gonna look like. They're gonna be gutted. I'm like, dude, you guys, poor DeAndre is gonna be like, I'm not even going. I'm not even gonna go. I'm gonna cross half court. I'm sorry. Yo, <laughs> Just he's be like, yo,
4: let Jared Allen play, please. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs>
5: Maybe Jared and I will actually get that starting position. Uh, Matt also did an awesome piece on that. Um, check out Nets Daily for a that. really fascinating dissection of that. And we might touch on it a little bit later if we have time, but we probably won't because we've already gone like 25 minutes chatting about two topics. One final thing I want to touch on was the, the Giannis Milwaukee side. The Nets need to figure out, you know, that we've spoken, I think the big takeaway from the offseason is. Where's the wing, Sean? Sean, when are you going to get the wings, mate? We're still looking for a defensive forward, Sean. When's it coming, mate? And we've also sent quotes that, you know, the, the roster isn't finished. Of course, that's the case as well. But it is going to be a test because the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be a championship contender. They, You know, obviously, there's questions surrounding them in terms of the depth of their roster and losing Wes Matthews and all these other sort of dudes. But... You know, you have Giannis, and if Giannis signs a super max, or, or by that point as well, you know, we could be talking about a team that's going to be, you know, a dynasty in the East for for quite a while. And you get to, if you are going to win the East, you're going to have to go through Giannis. And you know, the Nets are not necessarily totally comfortable with TLC and Joe Harris guarding him, or whoever it is. Maybe we throw Jared Allen as a center. I think that that's going to be fun from that sort of dynamic, just yep. purely an on-court sort of thing. I think that's the one I might be most looking forward to in some ways.
4: Mm. I like the fact that it's later in the season like obviously it's not too far away but at least they'll have like a few games to kind of get in rhythm and see where they're at I think you know the matchup that hasn't been announced I don't believe yet is Nets Lakers that's probably the one I'm most intrigued with and that I want to see and I want to see you know where the Nets are at in comparison to you're talking about elite forwards you got Anthony Davis and LeBron James like yeah let's see let's see what's good with that
1: I I yeah (laughs) that's the one right there where I'm like boy you did not do anything to prepare for that one I mean. I guess you, you force them to play to you, yeah. but you know, they just go Anthony Davis at center and they're they're still just as good. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> Jock Vaughn,
4: defensive coordinator, you better start doing yeah. your film yeah, study right. now. <laughs>
3: God,
1: that was surprising when that was said. I, I really thought they would uh Udoka. Udoku. I, Udoka you yeah, um, Udoka. Yeah.
5: yes Nick, and yeah, Nick and I when we reported it you know and um, it was going around it was just the the assumption was you know he was a defensive coordinator in Philadelphia right. that's what he was brought in to do now has his role been announced at all Matt uh, do you know anything behind the scenes I I haven't heard anything I was surprised I
1: was kind of surprised like there wasn't really any follow-up to that question um that was there was a lot of people on that call the, the Steve Nash one so I was surprised I think they did that the same day as KD too so yeah there were it's like Rachel Nichols was on there. I'm like, you? am I supposed to be on this
4: call? <laughs> That's big time. Remember? Am yeah. I going to get featured on the jump? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: 2020
4: has reshaped how we work. And it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching with candidate instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only site that moves as fast as you do. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code Blue Wire at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. No, but I did think it was interesting because they could have easily went the route of, "Hey, Jock Vaughn, you're our lead assistant. Mike D'Antoni, your offensive coordinator. Udoka, your defensive coordinator. Everybody gets a nice title." I guess they really had a lot of confidence in what Vaughn did in the bubble, which he did do uh, a good job with. Pretty much the worst roster there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. I thought, I really thought offense was, was more of the strong point for them. I mean, maybe that was just their roster, but like their defense, I don't remember anything like in particular about it. I know he tried a lot of things and they were like, they were aggressive, but I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see this year.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously touch on some Steve Nash and another big quotes from, I mean, we've got so much to get to, but staying on the schedule. Um, 19 in the first 37 Nets games of national TV. That's going to be awesome to just get the general population uh, watching the Nets and hopefully listening to the buzz um, via Gotham's Reckoning and um, Kevin Pelton. The Nets have the seventh easiest first half schedule of the first 37 games, which I, th- I thought was quite interesting. Um, there's uh, who, uh, there was something else. Um, yeah, you know, it's a relatively soft start as you sort of when you were sort of analyzing it and put out on Twitter, Matt. Do you think that that's going to bode well for, you know, making all the pieces gel, you know, establishing the identity? Or would you rather it sort of be, you know, there's some, there's some tough games at the start and you've got to prove yourself rather than sort of, you know, having these games against Orlando and, you know, a couple of games against yeah. the Cavs or whatever. What to you would have been better for, you know, KD, Kyrie, and I guess the rest of the Nets team, Steve Nash and the staff, to be able to, like, set themselves going forward as, you know, a bona fide championship contender?
1: Um, I think it's perfect, right? Like you, you want to have these guys come in and they're not gunning it, right? They're both coming off pretty severe injuries. Um, I will say, I think if they had a tougher schedule at the beginning, I wonder if they would have load managed more. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I, maybe I have that completely wrong in my head, but let's just assume they play as many games as possible because that's more fun to do that that way. I think for all of us, um, you know, like, for them to come in and have an easier schedule, they can ease their way into the schedule. You know what? You have the Cleveland Cavaliers on the schedule. They got, I mean, I know, you know, Andre Drummond sees himself as a one-through-five defender. I saw that quote. Um, Saw saw that one going around this week. But, um, you know, you have them on the schedule. It's like, all right, we can play you guys. Like, 20, 25 minutes. Let you guys get your legs under you. And then yep. when you get to the end of the season, you got a tougher schedule, you really start peaking. Guess what? That's perfect for playoff time. So I actually like it a little bit better for them, honestly.
4: Yeah, I'm on the same side as Matt. Not only for the players in terms of like easing back, but at the end of the day, it's easier to beat bad teams than it is to beat good teams, especially when you don't have that chemistry and guys are coming off injury and like mm. you still want to have a good record. You still want to get to seeding. I know there might not be home court, but there's a big difference between playing, let's say, like the Sixers are in the first round than playing what be the playing game team. You know what I mean? If you can get one of those high seeds, you're going to try to do it. And I think this kind of works out for the Nets is because they'll be more equipped to deal with the likes of a better team in the second half of the season, even by chemistry or the chances they make a trade, which I think is pretty likely. I don't know if it'll be a big trade, but I think there'll be some type of small move made at least.
1: You, won't, you also don't want to be the team that's, like, the the championship contender that starts out, like, you yep. know, 7 and 10 because you have a hard schedule. That just, like, that really hurts morale in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you, like, all the guys that are like, yeah, I'm ready. You know what? I'm Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, I want to be the, t- the Trayvon Green or whatever he said today. <laughs> um, like, that stuff starts to fade away a little bit.
5: Yeah. Look, I, I think that it, it's it's going to bode well just for everyone involved in terms of... You know, the load management, I think it's it, it's perfect for KD and Kyrie because you know, KD's going to put up 40 against the Cabs, even if, you know, he has still had a torn Achilles. He, okay. I, <laughs> no, that's, I'll be, I'll, look, I, 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 I bring, I'm getting way too hot takey on this podcast. I've got to tone it down a little bit. Um, Dude, but the
1: in, Steady Austin disrespect is under.
5: There. <laughs> uh, yeah, deli has been re signed there, hasn't he? It's uh, funny. You don't
4: even know about that, though, because that was a big argument between Corey and Jack at one point on the outlet.
5: Yeah, Wait, we had well, a chitty. We literally had a chitty Osman argument. That's how weird the offseason. What side
4: went. are you? What
5: side are you on? I'm um, on that he's not that good, and I think he's.
4: That's the that, side. It was Thomas Saturanski first. Yeah. So.
5: Thomas. Team. Team Thomas. So this is a Team Thomas podcast. But back to the to the net side of things. I, I think that it, it bodes well not just for the players, but I think for the coaching staff as well. It's easy to prepare for, you know, to make the rotations. I think that you know we have the experience of of Vaughn and D'Antoni and the influence that they're going to have on, on Steve Nash. And we'll get to some of those takeaways, you know, from the media days that um, Matt's been smashing out and stuff. So I, I think it, it all bodes well for for the team and, and, and the organization overall. And the fact that again, you know, 19 of 37 games of this first half of the season that has been released, you know, are going to be nationally te- televised games. So um, recap of those are going to be so much freaking fun and you know there's going to be it, it's just so f- close like it's two and a half weeks away until Brooklyn Nets basketball three weeks away however many days it is I'm, I'm losing count but seventh heaven is almost upon us and, and I speaking of se-
4: question for you guys though what do you think about like playing so many back-to-backs against the same team not necessarily in like back-to-back nights but like they have a lot of like the Hawks on you know one day and then they play the Hawks again in two days like do you think that benefits a team like the Nets or hurts them
1: can go bet definitely prepares you for playoff series has to right you're saying this you're seeing the same sort of schemes and stuff like that that's such yep. good such good stuff for a team that wants to go far in the playoffs
5: Excellent and I think point, Matt. Yeah, and I think it also allows for experimentation a little bit. You know, the the better teams aren't going to throw everything out there. You know, Anthony Davis is not going to be playing the five every night. (laughs) You know, Kevin Durant is not going to be playing, you know, center in in those games. But, you know, come to the pointy part of the season, you might see some Jeff Green at the center. I think it allows you to experiment, especially against those lesser teams. Not Atlanta, but, you know, uh, the Cavs or Detroit or New York or whoever else it might be. You know, you you can sort of tinker with things a little bit. You can load manager things a little bit. You can you know get reps here and there. And I I think that the way that the depth on this roster is constructed and and suremester has constructed it, you know, you can go all right. Well, Ky- Kyrie, you got the night off. You know, Tyler Johnson will step up for you, or or, or whoever else it might be. So I think that it does bode well um, for teams like Brooklyn and four teams that are you know in that in that contention for a championship mm-hmm. in what is a, a pretty damn open season. And anything could happen. Obviously, you know. At the end of the day, um, the, the health and safety of the, the players and their families and the staff is, is what is paramount. And, and I hope it's just, it, it's weird. I'm going to chat about it probably more on JBT and the outlet, but it's just like six, seven months later, or how nine months later, you know, this, the season shut down after, you know, Rudy Gobert's positive test and the, the virus is worse than ever in, in your country and we're coming back but we had to say us. our country man he had to make sure we knew <laughs> we're, uh, hey it's
3: deserved
5: <laughs> it's true though <laughs> 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 uh, we needed to do it in, in that sort of respect but you know, the virus is worse than ever and obviously you know this the travel stuff and you know we've seen a lot of Brooklyn Let's Plays you know contract the coronavirus and they haven't been they weren't able to go to Orlando and you know how is that going to affect things you know I think that we'll be touching on that in some mailbag questions in, in future episodes but it's something that I'm worried about not just from the basketball side of things but just from the health and safety side of things for everyone in the world right now and hopefully that that you know, fat that um, that vaccine speeds up in, in all the countries and, you know, we're able to go to arenas. And I can fly on a plane and, and go to Barclays Centre and hang out with you guys, have a beer and, you know, drool over Joe Harris in person. But at this point in time, there's just, just a lot of worries for all of us. So, um, but I didn't want to be a downer. So I'll bring it back up because we got to see Kevin Durant in a goddamn Brooklyn Nets shirt and he looked absolutely gorgeous. Steve Nash is, um, I think we chatted about his polos for like 90 minutes on, you know, when he was first introduced and he had that <laughs> But of the big takeaways from that sort of first day media day, Matt, there was, you know, Durant saying he was enjoying his time away from the game, saying he wasn't talking about James Harden, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, Steve that's preaching the collaboration <laughs> again. What were the big takeaways from, from um, the, the two leaders, I guess, the faces of the organization?
1: Well, I, I liked this quote about taking a break from media too. <laughs> he yeah, was just
5: saying so It <laughs> wasn't talking about You know, you've just joined the squad. He was talking about like, Andrew. Hey. Greg Logan, those, <laughs> those folks, but, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I look like he, uh, I, I thought he did a good job. Like he set like a nice precedent, I think in a lot of ways. And like, I, I do, I, I really buy him as a leader. Mm. Like I, I, it just, like him kind of just coming in there and, and making it very clear, like he wanted to do that role. It's like, all right, that's cool. But then like seeing everybody get their roles Kind of just like has put it all into place for me. It's like okay, like yeah, like I think this guy actually really like might be good at this, and he might be good at this for Kyrie too. Like yeah. there, this this is really somebody who's taking this by the reins, and I just I don't know what else to say. Like I've been impressed this week, and maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid, but I, I I don't know. That's that's how I feel right now.
4: It almost felt like Kevin Durant was ready to take, like, the next chapter in his career in terms of being, like, a leader and, like, lead the team. That wasn't something he did in Golden State. You know, in OKC, they probably wanted him to do a little bit more. He probably wasn't feeling maybe as comfortable. And obviously, I haven't been at the press conferences. I've watched, like, what seems like a million videos. But he just seemed a little bit more comfortable and happier than last year. I remember last year at Media Day, he didn't typically look that comfortable. He didn't look very happy. This were year you there is, matt
5: sorry sorry were you there last year i
4: was
1: he was slouched that man yeah. i was like how it first off he's so tall so it's so <laughs> weird somebody that tall slouched in their seat he's sitting there answering questions like this like he i was just like dang like this guy i honestly i was like this is a really weird attitude and i don't know how like this is gonna work in leadership And, like, he still doesn't like media. Don't get me wrong. So it wasn't like he was warm to see everybody. (laughs) But he did, like, the. he got into the interview. The more he got into it and the more it seemed like he just, I don't know. Like, he just, he wanted to take it by the reins. Like, the thing I really liked, I think my favorite part about the interview was this year, he talks about how how anxious he was and how nervous those moments would make him. Like, I like that. I'm like, oh, this is, like, this is what we want to see is, like, that real dude behind this. And, like that was cool. And now he's sort of saying, look, like this stuff doesn't scare me anymore. Like I'm built for this and I'm ready to take on this role. So I don't know. It just kind of all tied together. I mean, I wrote a story about it. So <laughs> maybe that's just me like tying my own story together, but it tied together for me.
5: <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm buzzing to say, you know, pardon the pun. You know, I just think that <laughs> the, the, the culture of leadership seems to have been a, a big point of contention across the NBA. And the different, you know, you look at the Clippers, you look at the Lakers, you look at all these contending teams right now. And leadership comes in different styles and different forms. And, you know, obviously preaching collaboration from an early point of Steve Nash doesn't seem to be just, a, a again, a buzzword. It seems to be genuine. And it seems to me that what is coming across all of these interviews, and, and Matt can probably attest to this as well, is just a sense of everyone is genuine and everyone is buying into all of this. You know, the collaboration, you know, Kevin Durant's the leader. You know, he doesn't want to be there, but he's excited. He, he's, he's, he's eager to get back on the court. He's eager to learn from Steve Nash and Imai Udokar and Jacques Vaughn and Mike D'Antoni, all these different people. I think that, you know, that might be my sort of new buzzword from what I'm gonna sort of preach going forward is that, you know, everyone seems to be on the the page of we like, we're, we're we're here, we're ready for this. I'm I'm, I'm this is what I'm gonna be doing, this is what you're gonna be doing, I'm gonna lead us, I'm gonna give you thirty-five points tonight. You know, if you sent me some screens, I'm gonna shoot some threes, I'm gonna lead you guys, I'm gonna to listen to you guys as the coaching. It, it just seems to me that it's all it's all quite wholesome in in a weird yeah. sort of yeah. way. Yeah. To say. I'm, with, like that sort of family culture that was preached and, and built from Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson at the start seems to have still be there, even if it is sort of like a, a new iteration of that, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: The vibes yeah. just feel a lot better.
1: Yeah, they've made it they've taken it and made it their own. But I I do think they've tried I, I feel like Duran especially has tried to like I mean maybe it's just that he's received that family atmosphere type of thing from from Sean after really like not feeling like he's had a home in his in his previous destination with Golden State. And I, I don't know. It just sort of feels like he's trying to provide that for this team. I, I don't know. But maybe I'm just – I'm reading this wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: it's like he's taking ownership of the team to extent. Like, this is his yeah. team. Like, this is what we're going to be about. We're going to win championships. And, and like, I'm a leader. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about it.
5: Yeah, it's, me too. I'm going to jump forward on the dock a little bit because it – um, and this is via, obviously, all the reporters, but Chris Mulholland of Nets Daily, um, who's doing some awesome work there as well, oh boy. Um, put out and Prince's quote um, in relation to Katie and Kyrie's leadership because everyone has questioned it. You know anyone who isn't a, a subjective Nets fan or a subjective Katie and Kyrie fan. And, and this is what and Prince said. They're both vocal. They're both lead by example. They both will come up and talk to you saying what you did wrong. But the thing that that surprised not only myself but a lot of others is that they receive criticism from their teammates very well. If we feel like we want to correct them or talk to them about a situation where they could have been for us, then then same thing vice versa. Uh, If you don't feel that pressure not being able to tell the star, yo, call a screen next time or whatever the situation might be. As far as why people don't realize um, is just because they aren't around them daily. I can't blame them. Really, people having that narrative to keep up. So it's really a personal thing for them, but it's kind of like the situation with Kyrie. You see his highlights every so much from there. You weren't on his team, but when you're his friend, you're doing it every single day. uh, And you see that much more wild uh, by everything. So you just get to be around them to see it um, for themselves. I thought that, that might be one of the quotes of media day that probably is not going to do any sort of form of traction on the athletic or no. ESPN or any form of national media. When you heard TP, TP say that, um, Matt, how did you sort of react to it?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I, well, I wrote a whole story off that. Like I, I wrote about, and I, it, it kind of brought me back. Like he, I, I really thought about what that meant. Like, if you don't, because you kind of mentioned about how you, if you don't see it, you're not going to get it. And I, yep. I really tried to think about what that meant. And I, I was, I've been thinking a lot about. I've been thinking a lot like, this week. <laughs> I don't know when I've had time. <laughs>
5: I've some time to think now, my guy.
1: Some time to think, and it's like weird that I've gotten so wrapped up in like this, this, I guess this. I don't even want to call it a narrative because I think it's legitimate, but like this, this feeling of um, just leadership and top down understanding of, like, what they need to do to get the job done. So I I don't know. Like, he he mentions, like, this is, like, something that, you know, you have to see. And I, I actually went back. I, I found a clip of when Kyrie and KD were first Nets, and it, they did the jig on the da- on the bench, the Irish jig that Theo Pinson had done. I think <laughs> this was, like, maybe 20, 20 days into their Nets tenure where they were really on the bench and stuff like that. And I, actually, I thought about that now. And I, I wrote this kind of, I tried to like best describe it. I don't even know fully how to ex- describe it fully. So I hope I, I did an okay <laughs> job with it in writing. But I think that's really cool, right? Like that team, that's what they were known for the previous year. They're the culture team. They're the team that does dances. They're the team that loves one another. And they could have so easily came in there. And like after everything that we've seen from the Clippers this week and said, hey, that's really cool. But like, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. But no, they came in and we're like, we're not bigger than this. We're gonna actually it's got sit a here. triple
5: dunks and stuff. Yeah. The stack yeah.
1: like, like you, know, and, you know, and like I remember when that happened, we're all like analyzing, like, oh, is it authentic? Is it this? Is it that? And it's like Dude, that doesn't matter. Like, honestly, the fact that they are even trying to do this, it's so dumb. Like, we got—and you look back at that now, and you're like, did we really get that wrapped up in in (laughs) bench dancing? Like, that's what was really important to us at that time two years ago? And I mean, it's awesome from a sentimental purpose. It doesn't do anything for—I mean, it does stuff for winning, but it's not, like, the ultimate decider. But it's like, these guys came in, and they did that, and they humbled themselves, and they're like, whatever, we're going to dance like we're 15th men. I looking back on it, yeah. I'm like, that's really dope that they did that. And I, I don't know, it was like the first thing I think I, I thought of for whatever reason. You know,
5: it was dope until DeAndre Jordan tried riding Kevin Durant. That was that. Uh, that was the moment where it was yeah. taken a little bit too far. <laughs> but, you know, just like, just chill a little bit. Like, you know, let Martin, Theo swim like, on the. <laughs> just cut it out, man! Like he's just sitting a couple of rows back. Theo, <laughs> 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 you security there can... come
4: take DeAndre. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
5: no, why look. Way- Theo. <laughs> <laughs> look, I. Yeah, we got <laughs> I I think that that's a it's a really good point, Matt, because not many people like you as a writer, and and just people don't look at it from you know a, a holistic point of view. You know, it, it's cool to just look at it from a different side of things that you know isn't as sort of narrative driven and it is sort of just like widely reported. It's just like oh, we know Katie or Kyrie are moody, and then they're just labeled as that, so they're put into a box of being that one thing where it's just like, you know what? We've seen them be fun, goofy dudes, you know, yeah. since they've been Brooklyn Nets, even if they haven't played, you know, Kyrie played 20 games last season, Kevin Ryan hasn't even played, you know, we saw him sort of like, you know, I, I know a vivid memory I have from attending a couple of games last season and seeing Kevin Durant on the bench and being so excited to see just Kevin Durant in person. When he's just putting his arm around, you know, Rodion's courts and Janan and Musa, just having a chat to them on the bench and stuff. Those little things, like, you know, he could have done the Kawhi Leonard and worked out in the WNBA locker room and separated himself, Paul George gone on a podcast and blamed the former coach or whatever it is. But it seems to me that they're ready to lead and... and it doesn't necessarily mean anything that it coming from three guys who you know aren't in the the trenches with them every single day. You know, it's, we're hearing it from the the players that are there, and you know, I think Toy and Prince as well has a good relationship with Kevin. We've talked about that in in yeah. in previous episodes. So I think this is, it's nothing but good things. But I want to ask you, Matt, about this. I want to say one
4: of, thing about the quote. Matt said he yep. thought about it a lot, and I was too. I was like, Yo, what the fuck? Prince telling Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to do. I was like, yo, what? No, nah, just kidding. No, but in all seriousness, <laughs> the, the leadership is really important and being able to kind of communicate to different guys, I think, is going to be a big, have a huge impact on the team. I just had to get that in there. I was holding it for a while.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's fair. It's like, hey, when you're wide open, you should pump fake it and then get a hard <laughs> shot. That's usually how so offense works.
5: <laughs> I can't look there's a part of me that's just like I can't imagine Joe Harris being like hey Katie uh, that screen's just going to be a little <laughs> for my guy uh, Kyrie you got to kick it out next time when the three guys collapse you I was open <laughs> oh I bet <meant>, I <laughs> Conversation would be a little bit awkward, but look, it, it's fun to contemplate. And, and look, this, these are all awesome things. But Matt, I wanted to ask you, or obviously we'll get to some of the other players, but about Steve Nash, the, the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. We've obviously seen a lot of themes come out from whatever media appearances and podcast appearances that he's had. Did that theme sort of continue uh, throughout media day and media week?
1: He's so like media trained.
5: It's he is
1: one tough uh, nut to crack. That guy is so media, trained, just sitting there being a guy. And you know, you watch the interviews and stuff like that, but like, really, like, just being on the call, it was just like, dude, this guy is. I don't know how you can throw this guy off. I don't know. I don't know what I could ask him. What color underwear are you wearing? He'd be like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I've actually kind of went through it and give me like a big long story. This guy brought up like a philosophical debate to like some question about. I don't even know what it was, like, you know, rotations. I was like, this guy is dope. Like, how did he do that?
4: Like you said, Matt, he's just so well-prepared. He just takes that, like, moment to, like, analyze what he's going to say yeah. to just make sure he doesn't make any
5: mistakes. Uh, Dude, he's a point uh, guard. Um, <laughs> um, um, look, look, I'm not giving a Kenny Atkinson impression. Uh, it, it's it's <laughs> really different, and we love Kenny. We're big Kenny fans in this podcast as well. But in saying that, Matt, did you get any glimpse of to what he could be like as a head coach from either some of those answers, you know, we, we have no idea what the rotations are going to look. I think that's the biggest question that I have a lot about him is what is Steve Nash going to be like as a coach? We know what he's like as a man. We know what his personality is like. We know what he stands for. We know what he's like as a player. Can we take any of those things and anything from these quotes that we've seen this week and go, okay, I know what Steve Nash is going to be doing You know, in the back-to-back against Cleveland or whatever?
1: I, boy, I, I, I need to be careful with how I word this. I kind of buy the cohesive approach, and I thought it was very interesting that he said that Mike D'Antoni was going to run the offense, Vaughn is going to run the defense, because I'm looking around, like, okay, so what are you doing? Like, what are <laughs> what are you doing? Are you like
5: you turning the, on the-, the, the network on Twitter was like Steve Nash is the coach of vibes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like I mean,
1: and it like it that that joke is going around, but like I genuinely think he's probably going to be the communicator. Like he's literally he's an all time great basketball player, amazing, yep. amazing player that has the respect of both Kyrie because he's better than Kyrie. And I think he's going to, that's probably going to say that way. And he's, you know, he's somebody that, that Durant has a ton of respect for. And I think is most likely influenced both of their games at, at the minimum, their child like their childhood. So, um, so I think for, for them, like, yeah, I actually think he's going to kind of be that communicator. Like he's, he's been forever known as somebody that's great at communicating g- with guys like one through 15. I have no doubt he's gonna be able to do that. He's so charismatic, He's the coolest guy. Like, dude, let's go, like, I don't know what you like to do, man. I Like, I guess, let's shoot TikToks. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <he's
5: at>. let's <laughs> suck that.
1: But, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, he's just, he's got a cool vibe to him. And I, I, I genuinely think that's going to be his thing. Like, he's really going to be the communicator. And it takes a big ego check, by the way, to be like, here's two other guys that are going to do my job, essentially. And And if there's media fallout from that, oh, well, I'd rather put that out there and just say it. I'm like, That's, yeah. that takes a lot of balls to do that.
4: I agree. I think you're right, Matt. I think just communication is going to be huge. He's just almost going to be like kind of a team manager in a way. Like if he's not really doing the offense and defense, I'm sure he's going to have a ton of input. He's still going to make decisions in terms of like the rotation, timeouts yeah. and stuff and in, in game. But even early on, I wouldn't be surprised if he had help from D'Antoni and Vaughn in that area, just given he lacks the experience.
1: Yeah, and I think that's such like an old fashioned approach. Is like, okay, well, we have one coach and he does everything. Yep. He does the offense, he does the defense, and also he has to be the like. You know what? Like, there. are at the NFL. evolving. Exactly. We're we're reaching a positionless league. Why can't we have like a position or a coachless a positionless <laughs> coachless league? Right. Like guys are all filling in for one another. Like I don't know. I don't think it's that crazy.
5: I'm gonna provide a, 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 not necessarily a take here, but. Steve Nash, we know how much he loves soccer um, and is such a massive, you know, he he did some work for Bleacher Report uh, around it. I think that he's taking that sort of coaching philosophy somewhat from that. You know, they have managers, they have coaches, and they have offensive and defensive coaches. And he also has, like, you know, a personality which was like, you know, he could be Pep Guardiola, like Manchester City. He could be Jose Mourinho. He just has the diversity to be able to go, okay, I know where my, and he sort of, you know, I just think that, there's a lot of different influences for him, you know. Obviously, we see it, you know, the, the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Nets, you know, in, in a lot of different ways in terms of the style of play and, and the people that are hanging around there. Sean Marks, D'Antoni, you know, all these other people. Rajah Bell was contacted. Amari Stodemeyer. I just think that the collaborative approach, you know, while it might be so, I, I think it's because anything that's different. And anything that is novel or new is always going to be criticized initially <laughs> until it works. And it might work, you know. Even the Warriors,
4: had, think about how much criticism they I was about, they literally like, about, to, <laughs> say yeah. literally
5: ahead, about to say that, yeah.
4: literally.
5: about No, finish it off, Nick, because no, I was going mean, to like, say what I, exactly what I said.
4: Well, I mean, you heard it. In 2015, 2016, it was like, oh, this team can't win. Oh, they relied too much on jump shots. Best team in the league. (laughs) And next year, they ended up setting the record for that. Obviously, it was a little different when they had Kevin Durant because they're so talented. But that literally changed the game of basketball. And, like, similar things can happen. Until someone does it, you know, everyone's going to think it's bad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like it, yeah, again, it just like bucks the trend of like the old school, like, like look at like like the Jim Boylans of the world. Like yeah. dude, Jim Boylan, <laughs> the players were like laughing at this guy. He's like, all right, guys, we're doing a, I know we had a back-to-back, but practice early tomorrow, we're doing liners. And they're just like, <laughs> dude, no, like we're not doing that. Like players just they, I mean, look, it's the players' league now, and it only makes sense to try to play for that. Don't put these. Militant guys in charge, just like, yep. I and mean, let's be honest, militant white guys in charge. Like, yep. why yep. would you do that? that? That's that this makes way more sense to do it this way. Players it, are too it, smart now,
5: yep, they they are, and, and especially when you we know that, like, his emotional intelligence. We've spoken of, we've dissected, you know, all the quotes and comments that he's made and the quotes and comments that Sean Marks has made. I just think that. For the success of this team, everyone is buying into what they can provide and what strengths that they have individually, be it player or coach or whatever. And it's just like, look, I do this really, really well. I'm Mike D'Antoni. I'm one of the great offensive masterminds in the history of the game. But head coaching, I sometimes have a little bit here and there where I need to make up for it. And that's where Jacques Vaughn and Inme Yudoku step in. You know, Amari Stoddemeyer is just like, you know, he's not going to be calling out X's and O's or whatever, but I'm going to be making an impact on Jared Allen, Nicholas Claxton, and DeAndre Jordan, teaching them little things behind the scenes. I think that it is. Being a specialized team in a lot of ways, this Brooklyn Nets, you know, the specialized Nets in terms of I've got this role, you've got this role, you know, we might need to help each other here because we know that we we're not perfect and we know that no one can do every little single thing. Like Matt was sort of alluding to, you know, the head coach that takes on way too much. I just think that I, I mean I'm gonna have obviously skepticism about it as well, but at least at this point in time, it, it's seeming to be, you know, uh, the fact that it's it's being preached and it's genuine, as I alluded to. But at at the end of the day as well, it needs to work on the court, and and that's all that matters at the end of the day. The X's and O's, the wins, um, and the championship. You know, just being there when it matters, and and hopefully, you know, Sean Marks has made all the the right roster decisions. You know, Steve Nash has communicated with all the guys, and Mike D'Antoni is making the right you know rotations and schemes. Kevin Nash is hitting those, uh, Kevin Nash. <laughs> They're the, <laughs> the combining them, <laughs> uh, literally. Um, that wouldn't
1: be fair. <laughs> that would,
5: he might as well. Um, but yeah, I just think that I have a healthy amount of skepticism at the same time, because this is, while I said, like, you know, anything new, you know, is, is going to be, you know, a, a criticized. It hasn't worked yet. And if it works for the regular season, cool. But, you know, I'll I'll have a level of confidence in it. But it's still not going to be the utmost of confidence until, like, you know, we see Kevin Durant, you know, back to his best or whatever. Again, the reductive sort of point of view to just go, if Kevin Durant's at his best, you know, Steve Nash can say what he wants, Kyrie can say what he wants. Kevin Durant's going to be the best player in the league. But any other takeaways, uh, Matt, from, like, Karras and and Spence? We could probably spend days talking about it. There was... A lot of I when I saw your your takeaways from Kyrie Avert, I got into doing some deep diving on some video, um, and I was going to put out a tweet, but then Kyrie Irving dropped some uh, some knowledge bombs about yeah. sort of like the, his shooting and his off the ball stuff. I put out like him cutting, you know, his num- his numbers in, in catch and shoot, his numbers on, on on three pointers that are assisted and unassisted. Um, I'm looking forward to dropping that when the the news has simmered down a little bit. The video is quite it's interesting sort of seeing last season. You know, Spencer kicking it out to him, Kyrie kicking it out to him in the corner, and the fact that yeah, he's he's he feels more comfortable being able to shoot off a dribble or a two or or, or the pull up, but it's not that he can't. Yeah, it's so I, I
1: had a really long conversation about this. Um, and well, God, I guess that was yesterday. I don't know. These days are. <laughs> rude Sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, on top of I've been doing media stuff and then like a bunch of my own podcasts as well, which is my bad planning. I shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> but the I, yeah, it was, well, it was fun. Cause I, I was talking about a player who's like really similar to Levert, um, in that just like it, it you know, the off ball numbers are it, like his, his catch numbers are way lower than like him shooting off a couple of dribbles. And it's all about like the mechanics is part of it. So like he can just sort of get his knees under him a little bit more. And he's such a high leaper when he shoots um, I think that can kind of hurt him just from, like, a biomechanical sense. But the other thing is, too, is, like, it's less mental. Like, he he just sort of—he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't see where the defender is. Usually, if he's shooting up the dribble, the defender is probably behind him or, or something along those lines. So for him, it's like he's in a, a situation where— he doesn't think about it mentally. He doesn't have all the time in the world to like sit there and be like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. What are my mechanics look like? Or whatever happens in basketball players brains when they shoot, maybe they don't think anything. That's what I would do if I was in the corner for the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. The ball. <laughs> like, wait, What hand do I use to shoot? I kind of forgot. Um, but no, like in all honesty, like I think that stuff really happens for him where it's like, it's just more smooth. There's more rhythm into his shot. And I, he's just, I don't know if that's something he can change. Like, I guess that just comes with repetition, but um, yeah, I, I I think it's a good sign, right? That he really wants to work on things off the catch. Cause I have hammered that home so much. And I, I really like, I don't think that was, I'm not going to be like vain and be like, Oh, he said that. Cause I said that before. No, like, I think that's been something that's been discussed ad nauseum in, in mainstream media, but it's good that he's hearing that stuff and being like, and rather than just being like, screw you guys, you guys don't know me. You don't know my game. Like, he's like, yeah, okay. I'm going to work on that. And like, I, not only he's going to do that, but he, like, enjoys it. Like, he seems yeah. genuinely excited about the idea of being an off-ball player. He wants to do it. He wants to, like, stick it to everybody. I'm like, good, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I got from the quotes from you, Matt. He just seemed
4: excited about it. I watched the video too. He just seemed like something he wanted to do. He wanted to showcase a different part of his game. Everyone's like, oh, bro, you can only work with the ball in your hands. Like, no. And then he referenced what he did in college. He had some success with that. And like you said, with the mechanics, that's something Jack and I talked about a lot in the past is almost at certain points, his shots look different. Like, you'll see the same catch and shoot, but it won't be the same mechanics throughout the game. So I think repetition, experience, and like he said, I think you you uh, might have put this out in a tweet, uh, Matt. He said something along the lines of, like, the Nets never really asked me to work in that part of my game, where it looks yeah. like they might have asked him to work on this part of his game a lot more, given KD and Kyrie on the roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's just got great character. Like, just great character, that guy. Love the
5: guy. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Maine. Was clearly one of the people in this podcast a big fan. Also, um, I'm obviously looking at the visuals and the aesthetics of all these players. The beard, not bad. Didn't mind it. I thought he was rocking it quite quite nicely. Do you guys? Did you
1: guys see Tyler uh, Tyler Johnson's teeth?
5: No, I did, did, did he have, have some grills or
1: something? No, this man, he he took that contract and he said, "I'm getting new teeth." Oh, these things them. are nice. Like I was like looking at my teeth, like and like. I need to upgrade. Like, I, I need next <laughs> next to, to come through a little harder. <laughs> That's what we need. we need. I saw to... the
4: curls were really long, too, right? This is yeah. This. <laughs> like,
1: this dude's, like, got... I, I feel so, I'm too old to be saying this, but this dude's got drip. Like,
5: like this is it. <laughs> Dude, I'm um I think um, I'm the oldest one on this podcast, and I've probably said <laughs> much older things than, than that. But, yeah, the, looking at just, like, the overall visuals of the guys, it's like, man... Jared Allen's afro is out of control. I'm loving it. The head and shoulders apparently is still working for him. Um, we North could probably Dale, coming? <laughs> Yeah, we could we could literally do a podcast just about the visual aesthetics, but probably not the best for an audio platform. Um, in terms of Jared Allen, I guess what he was sort of saying at media day, Spencer Dimwitty. Guys that have been homegrown dudes, Matt. I guess we want to hear from your perspective. What were the takeaways from hearing from Spencer and, and Joe? Spencer, I think was you know quite recently, so probably quite fresh in your mind, I guess.
1: Yeah, Spencer, I'm I'm gotta edit my uh, illiterate writing that I that I usually have to do. <laughs> it's a big editing process for me. So uh, no, I I the Spencer comments were were interesting. I dude, honestly, like <laughs> I tweeted uh, like Spencer Dinwiddie is set to speak with the media, and I was like. Uh, do I add like an oh boy or anything? I'm like, ah, I'm just I'm just gonna be nice. And of course, everybody's commenting, oh man, here goes, here goes. Uh-huh. And the first minute he sits down, he sits down, he yawns, he lets a big yawn off him, like, oh, this is this guy is such a character, like he's acting like he's bored or whatever. Like, I'm just I'm ready. I'm sitting there, and <laughs> and he he comes on and he answers these questions like perfectly, like, the perfect answers. He shuts down the idea that he's, like, you know, look at whatever. He's in trade rumors. And I saw, like, next Twitter, God bless him. Every No matter what he said to that question, people are going to go, you know what? That's all I need. He's gone next year. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, all he said was I'm going to look at it next year, which, like, yeah, like, I hope you do that. That's what every player should say. You should never commit to a team a year before because you're just hurting yourself. You can make more money if you play the odds a little bit, you play your cards, or I guess you hide your cards would be probably... I don't play cards, if you can't tell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, like, for him, like, he comes out there, says that, but then says, look, like, I want to be a gap filler. I've worn a bunch of hats. I've done all these different things. Like, that's really important. And, like, whether you can do it or not, I don't know. That's kind of a weird ass for a guy who's, you know, traditionally been a little bit of a gunner off the bench. Um, but it's a good sign. It's, I think it's a really great sign. And I, at the very least, if he's trying to do it, that's where you want to be. That's half the battle. Yeah. The mentality.
4: I actually instantly like Jack, when I saw that, I was just like, you, you can't ask for a better response than this. Like, you know, even with as funny as Spencer is with all the stuff and the jokes, but like, when it comes to it, like he literally is like, yo, I'm about a championship. I know I'm in a contract year, but I'm going to do what this team needs me to do to win. Like I, you definitely can see players in contract years say like, Nah, I need
1: to get my touches. I need to get my shots. He's not really yeah. about that. Dude. And like the thing, the other one that I liked was he talked about like, why would I sign a below market deal with a team and then force a trade? And I was like, first off, I loved he using like I, anytime somebody uses logic. Like, yeah, I was going to say. Look, I haven't taken a logic course in six years. So I'm, I'm like, I'm just like, my mind is blown. I'm like, wow, this is, this guy just, he just, you know, <laughs> he blew my mind dude. right here. He is such a smart dude. I was like, that's exactly... I mean, that's a great point. Like, why would you do that? <laughs>
5: he's he's so switched on. And, and that was the quote I was going to ask you about. And, you know, obviously... the we, the as the Nets are currently constructed, you know, the majority of the deals that they have on their roster are below market value deals. You know, the Spencer Dinwiddie one was an absolute steal. I know that when we reported, it, it's just like, man, that little? You know, Carol Stivert, you know, three years. You know, there's obviously, you know, your Princes and some people are calling the Joe Harris deal a little bit inflated. But, you know, I think oh. that, Spencer just does his thing, you know? And, and I think that the personality of Spencer and, and, and Karras as your sort of third and fourth best players, it's exactly what you want it to be as a comparison point to say, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell or Patrick yep. Beverley, those sort of guys who are just like, you know what? I'm not ready to sort of cede my responsibility. I still want to get my own. I want to get paid. I want to get, you know, in, in on ESPN, on SportsCenter or whatever, where it's just like, you know what? I want to win a championship. I want to do what it takes to win a championship. I want to play off ball. I want to defend a little bit. But it's not like Spencer is discounting him his, his own. He's just like, you know what? I'll play well. And then I think if he does, say, like, buy into this sort of role-player mentality, it only is going to enhance his value because, you know, he's proven that he can be like a six-man-of-the-year contender gunner. He's proven that he can lead a team as your lead point guard ball handler and close games. He's proven that he can play a little bit of defense here and there um, and really play above his own in, in some certain respects. If he buys into this defense thing a little bit more, the catch and shoot continues to rise. You know, it's not going to be a bad thing for him and his individual value and his individual earnings going forward. You know, when he converts that into crypto, man, the crypto value is going up big time.
4: Well, and then also the fact is he just becomes that much more valuable to the Nets. You know, if they win a championship and he's, you know, know, arguably the third best player, he just plays some crucial role that maybe you can't find that in free agency or given your cap space... You're going to have another team in the bidding war and we know Joe Sigh is willing to spend money. So if he plays well and they win a championship,
5: he's only helping himself. Big time. Absolutely. Now I wanted to, I don't know if we got, in fact, we might finish with this because Matt's time is precious. He has much more important things to do than to just chat about the Brooklyn Nets for 24 hours a day. And we probably could do that. We could do like a live stream on YouTube and just like talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Terrific, um, yeah. I wonder if we could somehow monetize that in some form or another. Maybe that's an idea for us. Yeah, need, to,
4: maybe. Yeah,
1: Dinwiddie <laughs> coins. We'll, we'll <laughs> get let's,
5: the let's, get, Buzzcoin, let's get buzz coin. Let's get around it. Let's create our own crypto. The final point I want to get to, and I'm sure a lot of people want to hear about the James Harden stuff. Now, there's been news via Kevin Durant. There's been news via Amin Al Hassan, There's been news via Tim McMahon. There's been the most recent news by Mark Stein. He's in a little baby's party in Atlanta. He's not turning up for camp. Russell Westbrook didn't show up for camp. You know, James Harden, there's people saying that he was working out of Houston University the other day. When you heard, first touch on Kevin Durant's comments, because he, he, he obviously made those to you and, and Next Media. Did you buy it, Matt? Did you really buy it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I'm, I'm just like, all right, man, like, I'm, I, I know what else is he gonna say, but I was just like, look, man, because
4: he can this still get fined for tampering.
1: Yeah, he could, but this is, I'm like, this whole fake news thing is, it, <laughs> we, this, this word, these two words mean nothing now. Like, it's literally, it means nothing now. <laughs> uh. But
5: yeah, no, I don't. Know. <laughs> Nick, what did you think about the Kevin Durant comments?
4: Yeah, same thing as Matt. I mean, like he couldn't say anything, even if he wanted to. And he, it's not like he's gonna come out and disrespect his teammates. And yeah. be Like, yeah, you know what? I, I want James Harden here. That means Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, probably Torian Prince. Bye, guys. Like, he's not gonna say that. That's that's bad for team chemistry and bad as a leader.
5: Yeah, for for sure. And and I guess. You know, obviously, we saw so many different reports come out. The Russell Westbrook trade, obviously, you know, how is that going to affect things? You know, is he going to be a practice on Sunday? You know, we might have to do an emergency Brooklyn Buzz get mad on and chat for three hours about now that we don't have Carissa Verde anymore and all the points that we've been making uh, just don't ring true and we have no more content that people are going to want to listen to this podcast in particular. But the final thing... You know, We had Shams um, on his podcast sort of talking about the Brooklyn Nets and how how much Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving vary, value Carol Slavert. and Nick brought a quote to me from Sean Marks at the end um, and shout out to NeviCom, who's doing just insane amount of work. He said this, we're going to have to be fluid with our roster. I look forward to getting with the coaches and with our front office and really debating as we go through training camp and see where we need to make ch- changes, whether it's on the periphery of the roster or we make some bigger moves. Now, I put out and there was man, people were getting in my mentions, people were getting in Matt's mentions about the fact that I don't think James I'm, I'm much my fifty percent has gone down to twenty five percent and I'm sure Nick's has probably gone down as well. I actually think that James Harden might get traded somewhere else. And I agree. Matt, Matt was going back and forth with other people, we were going back and I'm just like, Alright, I've got to mute this uh yeah. this, this tweet right here. But I get it yeah. Look, we want to get stars on this team. And I'm not saying that James Harden on this team wouldn't be awesome. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense looking at it from an overall standpoint. But, Nick, I guess in the terms of the James Harden stuff and how it pertains to the Brooklyn Nets, final sort of thoughts in terms of could we see uh, all these reports that are being leaked about him being in Atlanta and partying up, him not turning up to practices. Do you agree with me in sort of what I said? and like, you know, I could see a trade happening but I'm less confident about the Brooklyn Nets than I was, say, you know, 10 days ago
4: yeah i agree jack i i'm almost getting to the point where i don't want to say i don't want it to happen and i don't want them to go to the nets but i kind of am feeling that way a little bit because it's just like this oh, yeah. lingering shadow like it's just yeah. like yo let's get let's get our groove on let's go with the team we have we are talented enough to probably win a championship with the squad maybe we add a wing a defender something along those lines or a minor upgrade or even you know if you're trading for bradley beal or something but like the whole james harden thing i've mentioned this before like if it was one of the 20 other teams, not including the Rockets or the Knicks, I'd be happy to deal with them. But Timon and Fertitta is just a guy that is starting.
3: Fertitta, that's how you that's
4: Furtada. <laughs> Furtada, there you go, Jack. Uh, <laughs> and then he just doesn't understand how the NBA works. You know what I mean? It just feels yeah. like the point, like I said, the Jack is like, you're going to make a trade with him. He's going to accept it, And he's going to say, actually, I want two more first round picks. You know what I mean? It just seems like a situation where the Nets can't win.
1: Yeah. I, um, I think my answer to this ties into what we've talked about today, where, the Nets would have some of the best actors in the world, like mm. Broadway level actors. It this is week. New York. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe, and like, <laughs> no Broadway anymore, though. So I don't know. I don't know where they're getting those lessons. Secretly right? enrolled by Zoom
3: lessons. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, they gotta man. make like, money. I, right, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but but, anyways, no, I mean, like, I I think for for them, like. Those guys are really putting together a show because if if they are in the background, like about to get traded for James Harden, I mean, it, I'll say it like this has been pulled over me. I, I did yeah. not see this coming. So it just kind of, it kind of points to me saying that this group is trying to like find themselves and find one another and build together and, and just put that behind them. And um, it just, I don't know, it doesn't feel particularly likely. And I don't, I still don't, I've never understood it for the Rockets.
5: It's like, yeah, it's, it, you it know. It does make sense. There's, unless you're giving, you know, as many picks, you'd have to, like, double the amount of picks that, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks give up for Drew Holiday. It's just like, yeah. do we want Billy King 2.0 with, with Sean Marks? I don't think so. And, and it seems to me that Sean Marks doesn't want that either. I think that yeah rumblings from Woj and sort of saying that they don't, don't want to give up future flexibility in terms of their draft and stuff and, and hamper their future. And they would have to because James Harden is... Freaking awesome! He's one of the best players in the league, and if you are trading for him and you don't have the package as currently constructed, you don't have a Ben Simmons or Michael Porter or whatever. You have to make up for that by throwing in an extra first-round pick and unprotected lottery to top two protected or whatever. So, yeah, it seems to me it's getting less likely by the day. I want to finish with the final final pick because now we've seen the John Wall trade happen, and we've brought up Bradley Beal probably on every podcast in the past uh, 14 months. <laughs> I'll ask you, Matt, if you could get. Bradley Beal on a cheaper package. So you get to keep a Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, there's maybe one or two picks. So you get to protect them slightly. Is there any way, we don't have to think about it, you know, logically, even though yeah. we've, done, we've done so in, with, with some great aplomb in this podcast. Let's throw logic out the window. Could Bradley Beal be on the Brooklyn Nets by the trade deadline?
1: So I have a, I have a take. I have a, this one's sh- hot. This is a hot. No. I, I actually think they have a worse chance of getting Bradley Beal.
5: Oh, because wow. he doesn't
1: come with any baggage and he's younger, mm. I I think there's going to be more teams that are going to throw the kitchen sink at Bradley Beal. I don't know if that necessarily means the price is going to be higher because I think the end whatever bid that you're putting out for James Harden is going to be is going to be pretty ridiculous. But for Brad, like it might be a, a Ben Simmons or somebody like along those lines where there's real like real star potential. But for Brad Beal, I think there's just going to be a lot of teams that can just look at themselves and say, we really want to do this. We're the Golden State Warriors. Let's just go for it. We're just going to throw every pick we have, the Timberwolves pick, like whatever, everything we have, James Wiseman. I, I don't know. That's kind of how I see it right now. He just, he's a he's somebody that we actually have seen playoff ball. And I just think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to look at it and say, yeah, this Nets package is just, we can beat it easily. Yeah. yeah, and they've
4: done a really good job of maintaining that Bradley Beal wants to be there. They haven't yeah. lost that leverage, which I think is huge. If they lose that, then obviously it kind of changes things a little bit. But another point would be teams can be very desperate. Like we saw the Bucks trade for Drew Holiday. That was a right. massive overpay. Like Drew Holiday's a good player his deal's expiring and they just like committed their future to him and they don't even know if he's going to be back. So like, like Matt said, like a team could get desperate or a team could feel like they're so close to winning that, Hey, maybe Denver is willing to put Michael Porter jr. In that deal. And they want to win a championship this year. So the nets don't have the best packages for these guys. They have opportunities to make trades. But like I said, I feel like it's almost more likely we see a forward upgrade at some point this year than we see one of these big trades.
5: To play, finally, to play devil's advocate, when Bradley Beal heard about sort of the quotes from the media and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving behind the scenes sort of saying that, you know, he was wanted by them and they respected yep. his game, he was enthused by that. You know, I think that, you know, the the package, the, what Brooklyn Nets have going in their favor is the fact that, you know, they have a great organization and they have players that want to go there. You know, they have one of the best players in the league who wants to go there. And what James Harden could say if he were to get traded, like, you know what? If you trade for me, I ain't re-signing. Or Bradley Beal could say the same thing. That is the one thing that I... The only... Maybe the only thing that works in the Brooklyn Nets' favor in terms of trading for a superstar. And that bodes, that's actually quite a, a big thing because, you know, Anthony Davis went to the Lakers and, you know, shut out the rest of the market because that's the only place he wanted to go to and the only place he was going to re-sign for. So, you know, maybe that does bode well for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm maybe being a little bit glass half I full th- about it. But I maybe. think the
4: pressure will build up. As the contracts get older, you know, as they kind of work a little bit more forward, we're talking James Harden with a year and a half on his deal or Bradley Beal, like then the pressure becomes on the Rockets or the Wizards who are like, okay, we need to get something. And there's also more pressure on that other team is because now all of a sudden we're playing for a year and a half rental where you trade for James Harden, you're still getting him for two years. Like he could still complain all he wants, but two years of James Harden might be enough for a championship. And you can say the same thing about Bradley Beal.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, is like you kind of didn't he already kind of indicate that he wasn't necessarily going to like stay there long term? He was just going to look at it a two year thing. Yep. He so did. that's kind of that's a weird thing. Like I, as much as I want to be like God, like I can't believe Sean Marks isn't willing. Like it's James Harden. Why would you not do it? It's like, dude, here's the thing. Like if he leaves and you have no draft equity or anything like that, and yeah. Let's say things fall apart between Kyrie and KD. Well then you're sitting there with no picks and no way to improve the team. You've already done this once, and now you're working with. Probably a shorter
3: leash. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Your job might not be so safe. So. And the pressure
4: is heavier because you were just competing for a championship literally years prior. So, yeah. It's definitely a – I'm not a big fan of giving out all the picks. I was alive to witness the Gavin Garnett and Paul We all were. We all
5: were. Yeah.
4: (laughs) And I was deep into that and uh, it obviously did not work out well. I mean, like you said, Matt, Sean Marks already survived it once. But doing that again, a lot of things kind of broke right.
5: Chad only has nine lives. Yeah. <laughs> Use like eight of them. Getting DeAndre the Russell. Of- <laughs> let's not go down the Sean Marks route. I've done enough of that on on the last podcast with Gotham. But, um, it, oh man, it was so fun to get Matt back on. And once the season is kicking on, we got game recaps and Matt sort of talking about Karis the Verse shot form. Uh, things that yeah. I don't as a fan and you know i'm looking forward to this season ahead and you know we've probably still got some news that's gonna drop and you know matt it's always a goddamn pleasure my dude and you're doing god's work and you're doing great work um shout out to you and and everyone doing such awesome work uh, in the nba right now in in a time that's really unstable and providing us with an an outlet that is that is positive and allows us to talk about the brooklyn nets for 80 minutes or so i
4: appreciate Appreciate you hopping on matt And as always, big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch us on all streaming platforms.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.